0: This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I'm absolutely thrilled and overjoyed that you've joined me today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's Rejoice in the Lord Always, and again, I say rejoice. Today, I want to talk about one of the challenges to rejoicing. It's hard to rejoice when you find yourself living in poverty, when day-to-day you have more month than money, more needs than resources. Today, I want to talk about what the gospel has to say about the poor and about poverty alleviation. Is the goal of the gospel for every person from here to Uganda to Asia to Latin America to experience, quote-unquote, the American dream, or is there something more? My guest today will argue that the goal of the gospel isn't more material wealth, necessarily. Rather, it is wholeness. The book that we're looking at today is entitled Becoming Whole, My guest is Dr. Brian Ficker, my favorite economist. He is the founder and president of the Chalmers Center at Covenant College, where he's also served as professor of economics and community development since 1997. He has published numerous articles and a very popular groundbreaking book entitled When Helping Hurts, How to Alleviate Poverty Without Hurting the Poor and Yourself. Dr. Fickard earned his PhD in economics from Yale University, specializing in international economics and economic development. He joins me today. Brian, how are you, brother? Great to be with you again, Chris. Thanks for having me on. It is good to have you on I should have said my favorite living economists. I do have some that are dead uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I am uh, I'm grateful that you're here. I was thinking earlier, Brian might be the most intelligent or smartest person I talked to today, but then I was reminded that I have a teenager and they know everything. So you (laughs) you probably will be the second smartest person I talked to today, man. I'm so grateful for you and the work of the Chalmers center for those who aren't familiar. Can you just share what the good folks at the Chalmers center do there?
1: Yeah, we're trying to help, uh, Christians to, uh, engage with the poor, Uh, more faithfully and more effectively. And so we try to come up with strategies that churches and parachurch ministries and and even just individual Christians in their vocational lives, strategies that they can use to really, truly promote the flourishing of the gospel amongst people who are poor. We we field test those strategies and out of that we train others to use those strategies on their own. We're working both the United States, but also around the world.
0: Yeah, I love that, and I'm so grateful for your work, and that gives me a focus of the audience today. Listen, I want everyone to benefit from this because I believe we all should have a heart for the poor, but there are some of you that that is specifically your calling, maybe by uh, vocation, maybe occupation, you're working in social work areas, or you're working in economic and community development work, either locally, domestically, or internationally, I would love to hear from you. If you have questions, if you uh, have uh, a desire for wisdom and insight, I don't know of anyone who's thought about the intersection of the gospel and poverty alleviation more than Dr. Brian Fickard. So please call today, 877-548-3675. I'll extend that invitation to church leaders who are thinking about the application of this in your local church, 877 877- Churches really should be doing better at this than other groups, shouldn't they?
1: You know, Chris, we've got the best story ever. We have the only true story. It's the good news of the gospel. Yes. The problem is that so many of us don't actually know what the gospel is. You know, Chris, if I ask the typical Christian in America, why did Jesus come to earth? (laughs) What I'm going to hear is this. Jesus came to earth to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins so that my soul can go to heaven someday when I die. And Chris, that's all true. Uh, I, I am a sinner and I need Jesus to pay the penalty for my sins. That's all true. We should never lose sight of that. But the start of Jesus' ministry Luke chapter four verse forty three. He says he's come to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. That that's why he was sent. And, and, and Christ's kingdom is about bringing healing as far as the curse is found. By bringing it's about bringing restoration to all things. And that means restoring poor people to all that it means to be an image bearer. So we ought yes. to be the very best at this.
0: Now you guys are getting a glimpse of why I appreciate Brian so much. When was the last time you heard a Yale trained economist? Uh, tell you that much about the gospel that succinctly, and I appreciate it because I know that this is your life. You're not just uh, sharing philosophies from books you've read, but you're you're really thinking about the integration of the gospel into our lives and into our relationship with others and, and our mission in the world. In 2009, Brian, you co-authored a landmark book, When Helping Hurts. My question is, how do people respond to that book? And how does this current book, Becoming Whole, relate to that one?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Uh, When Helping Hurts, uh, God blessed that book in ways we never would have imagined. And we've seen a range of responses. Some people uh, really changed some things they were doing, and they they moved into a direction that's more empowering, that's more um, uh, really helping people to be all that it it means to be an image-bearer, Others, unfortunately, said, you know what, if I can help, or sorry, if I can hurt the poor in the process of trying to help them, maybe I should just do nothing at all. And, and, you know, maybe they were looking for an excuse to do nothing at all. And so some people uh, pulled back and said, I'm not going to do anything at all. And that was not uh, what we intended at all. You know, we say, you know, when helping hurts, uh, our desire is that however much money you're spending, however much time you're spending, that you quadruple it. But perhaps, you ought to do it a little bit differently. Perhaps the way you've been doing it needs to be redirected. So our message isn't do less, it's do more, but do it differently. You know, in the years uh, since when Helping Hurts came out, um, uh, uh, we had a very common experience. People would come up to me at a conference and ask me very particular questions. You know, I'm working with this people group uh, in this island in the Pacific, and they have this particular kind of crop and um, I'm not sure what to do to help them. And, and they want me to tell them what to do. Well, the reality of it is I didn't have a clue what to do. And, and um, nobody knows what to do. And, and as I started to think about it, I realized that what we really needed was to understand the story, that, that the yeah. best we could do is impart wisdom to people so that in every situation uh, they would have some sense of what the kingdom of God might look like. And so we wanted to go deeper and to give people a sense of, of what we call a God's story of change. His his goals for human flourishing and how he typically goes about achieving those goals. And so that has become the book, uh, Becoming Whole, uh, While the Opposite of Poverty Isn't the American Dream. And I would say that uh, the stuff we're saying in here was kind of lurking behind uh, the scenes in When Helping Hurts, but I think we've learned uh, since When Helping Hurts came out, we have learned some things, and so this book goes deeper builds on the core themes of When Helping Hurts, and really tries to shape God's people so they default, if you will, to the right story, to God's story, the only true story, the only story that actually works. Because right now, I think we're defaulting to the wrong
0: stories. So When Helping Hurts, if I summarize it correctly, with, uh, with that book, you're trying to highlight that good intentions aren't enough if we're not careful, we'll multiply the pain and problems of people all while trying to, quote, unquote, help them. Um, I affectionately call becoming whole when helping helps, right? I love that. Like, like love the, that. The, the, the model of what it looks like when we actually apply the gospel story correctly to the work that we're doing. But let me just, man, obliterate, and I think you do this, you debunk and obliterate one of the false assumptions about poverty alleviation. I want to give you an opportunity to do this. Then we're going to go to the phone lines, 877-548-3675. If you have questions about helping the poor, poverty alleviation, what works, what doesn't, give us a call. Um, but but here's the question. The West, and in particular, I'm going to say capitalism, which I know is a, is a uh, controversial term, but it is by statistic and research and data, done more to erase material poverty than any other economic system in world history. That's just a fact. We can debate that later. But here's my question for you. What's the relationship, Brian, between prosperity, the alleviation of material poverty, and happiness, Oh, my word. That's a great question, Chris. Perfect question. You know, it's really
1: interesting. Most of us, when we work with people who are poor, whether in the United States or around the world, our implicit assumption, our unstated assumption is that our goal is to make them just like us. And so we're kind of trying to help them to to live the way we live, to, to pursue our way of being in the world. But what's so interesting is that research is finding that the self-reported happiness of Americans uh, has not increased since World War II. In fact, it's been constant and is starting to decrease. And so it's like we've got more and more stuff, but we're less and less happy. And if you actually look at more objective measures, things like um, uh, mental health, uh, suicide, what we're seeing is that actually from the 1930s onwards, anxiety and depression amongst American uh, college age students has steadily increased. And so we've got this paradox. We've got more and more stuff, more and more wealth. As you said, uh, Western style capitalism is unparalleled in terms of reducing material poverty. But coincidental with that is less happiness, Uh, greater anxiety and depression. And so there's a sense in which what we're saying to poor people is we're miserable. Come be just like us. Wow. Come join us in our story. And what we're trying to say in becoming whole is there's a better story for all of us. There's a better story than simply more stuff for the materially poor and for yes. you and I, there's a better story. Yes. It's the story of the gospel. We've got to recover that in the American church, and we've got to recover it in the lives of poor people and ourselves. Yes.
0: So that's not to argue that somehow poverty produces more happiness than, um, no. than the lack of no. poverty. That is to argue, though, that the solution, if we're actually looking to make people whole, has to be broader than just more stuff. It has yeah. to be based in a better story. Let's We're going to unfold that story in a moment. Let's go to the phone lines. Michael is on the line with what I think to be a great question. Michael's in Florida. Hey, Michael, thank you for listening to us. What's your question for Brian? Hey, thanks for taking the call. So um,
1: in,
2: I wondered what your thoughts were in regards to if you see someone or even a couple or a family uh, standing in traffic or on the corner with a sign
0: saying, please help or need help. Um, we, I think we all talk about this a lot yes. and we all worry that, are they really going to use it for what, for food
1: or Mm. for, are they really in need or is it going to be used for drugs or alcohol or whatever? Um, if it's really for a, for a good need, I'd love to give every single
0: time and even try to do a little witness. Um, but how do you, how do you know? How do you deal with that? So Brian, we got about 60 seconds. What's your answer? (laughs) I need 60
1: hours. So, brother, uh, this is a complicated question, but very, very briefly. uh, We believe the human being is not just a physical creature. We are highly integrated body, soul, relational creatures. And and, uh, as Americans, we tend to underestimate the relational aspect, our relationship with God, with ourselves, with others, and with creation. And because we tend to underemphasize the relational aspect, our approaches tend to not be very relational. We tend towards material things, and so, so in a nutshell, what I would say is, uh, um, uh, even in the best of circumstances, giving somebody, simply giving people material resources, is not going to get at the deep-rooted relational brokenness. That's the real cause for them standing on the street corner. And so under, under any circumstance, I would say it's generally speaking, not the best solution. Now, sometimes it's the best you can do. Sometimes it's called out and you don't have time to develop relationships. It's the best you can do is to give a handout. But generally speaking, we've got to move away from pure material assistance and into relational
0: empowerment. Such great answer. And it's one that I know from Michael, for many of us, challenges us on an even higher level. The question is so much further than just do I give a buck or not to the person on the corner. The real question is, can I give them what they really need? And that is relationship and community. And who should do that better than the church? The book, Becoming Whole. Brian Fickard is my guest. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip. If you're talking about a hot topic at home, at work, and with friends, then we want to talk about it too. In fact, every day on Equip, we're talking about current issues and how faith intersects with life. Today, I'm inviting you to become an Equipper. In this role, you'll give a monthly donation to support the ministry of Equipped. And as an Equipper, I'll send you regular emails that contain brief pastoral messages prepared just for you. Become an Equipper right now by calling 888-644-4144 or go to EquipRadio.com. When you listen to Equip, you know I love to introduce you to some incredible guests and topics. But there's one person that I want you to meet more than anyone else. His name is Jesus, and he wants to have a genuine personal relationship with you. He even died on the cross to take the punishment for all of our sins so that we can join his eternal family it would be my honor to introduce you to Jesus today. Simply call 877-548-3675. Again, give us a call at 877-548-3675. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. One of my great passions is economics, uh, the application of the gospel to our understanding of economics, money, finance, the material world, and living into a better story. That's why I'm so fired up, and maybe you can hear the passion in my voice over this book, Becoming Whole, why the opposite of poverty is not the American dream. It is one that challenges our assumptions, but invites us into a more glorious, a more grandiose, and a more powerful story, because at its core, poverty alleviation is about change. The invitation for someone to change their lives materially but also relationally, spiritually. And I don't know of any book that nails it better than Becoming Whole. And I mean that sincerely. So I want to invite you to get a copy, find out more at equipradio.org or go to our yeah, go to our website or our social media platforms today. You can find out more. We're taking your calls. Maybe you're working in poverty alleviation. Maybe you're a church leader. Maybe you're doing community development and you have questions or uh, we'd love to share what has worked for you. We'd love to hear that both uh, domestically and internationally. The phone number is 877-548-3675. That's 877-LIVE-675. Brian, uh, who is Kelly Capick and why was it important to you to invite him to be your co-author, and what role did he play in this book?
1: Yeah, Kelly Cappic is a a dear friend, he's a professor of uh, theology here at Covenant College, where I teach, where the Chalmers Center is located. Uh, Kelly is um, a world-class Trinitarian theologian, and the reason I wanted Kelly to help me with this book is uh, we are made in the image of God. And, and so the human being reflects the nature of God, and so we've got to understand who God is to understand who human beings are. And so I couldn't think of anybody better than a Trinitarian theologian to help me to understand who God is and how He's working in the world. And and, and that that gets at kind of what I was saying just before the break: uh, God is inherently a relational being. From all eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost exist in deep loving relationships. And we're made in his image as well. And so we are made for relationship. And And in the West, we, we've lost sight of that in so many different ways. And, and that affects all of our lives, all of our well-being. It also affects how we go about our economic lives and how to help the poor. We're living like individualists. It doesn't fit us. It's like we're square pegs and round holes. We're living into a story meant for Highly individualistic
0: creatures, and that's not where we're credited to be, and it's not working. So good. The phone number 877 Live 675. Uh, The questions are plenteous as it pertains to how do we help the poor. And I would love to hear from you too, also, that um, maybe you grew up in poverty and you have uh, been able to see just a transformation of your family's story. I love to hear more about that, but I keep using this term and probably should have uh, not made the mistake of getting deep into this interview without asking for a definition. I keep using the term poverty as if we all have the same working definition. So help us to get on the same page, uh, Dr. Fickert. How would you define poverty, kind of a working man's definition?
1: Yeah, so... So if you ask the average American what is poverty, we'll, uh, we'll tend to describe it in material terms. It's, it's a lack of food, a lack of clothing, a lack of income, a lack of shelter. And certainly we can define poverty in that way. And so you know, uh, economists, for example, will, will say things like if you're earning less than uh, ninety per day, Uh, then you are living in extreme poverty. And if you're earning less than $3.10 a day, you're living in another level of poverty. And so so we can define it in material terms. But what we're trying to get at in our work is this idea that that human flourishing, that the good life isn't just about having more stuff or even being able to earn more stuff. Rather, uh, flourishing, the good life, is for our entire beings to live in right relationship with God, with ourselves, with others, and with uh, the rest of creation. And so there's a sense in which we need to redefine poverty as being relational. And so to be relationally poor is to be experiencing less than God has designed for our relationships with God, self, others, and the rest of creation. And so there's a sense in which all of us are relationally poor. And for some of us, that relational poverty bubbles up into material poverty. That's a tough one. That's the answer.
0: <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's good. Just just the uh, overall concept of, at the core, poverty being a relational problem, Yeah. to me is life-changing. I think that's a game-changer. Um, Honestly, um, uh, another game changer that um, I became awakened to after reading When Helping Hurts is I was running a community uh, and economic development organization when your book was released back in 2009. And much to our shame, one of the things that I realized is that while we were doing a lot of projects to help the poor, what I found is that it wasn't moving the needle. The same people we were helping the year before were the same people who were coming at the year after again and again and again, and we were patting ourselves on the back because of the number of backpacks we gave away for free, number of meals we gave away for free. It was like that was our resume, and while it made us feel good, it wasn't making a huge difference in their lives. It was actually just producing a different type of dependency. Uh, But when we understood it was relational, it was a game changer. And I got to be honest, not everybody liked it. Some people thought thought like, hey, what do you mean you're not just going to give me uh, a free backpack? What do you mean you're inviting me into a relationship? What do you mean you're questioning this whole concept of one-way charity? But I will tell you that it was the best move we've made, and now we see stories that are truly life changing of people loving God, loving their families in relationship, in community, having a network of people that they're doing life with on mission for Jesus, experiencing his grace. That is to me why this is so important and, and such a game changer. Uh, you talk about some false stories in your book. And we got a couple minutes before the break, our next break. The one you got to give a little bit of time to is evangelical Gnosticism. That's a big <laughs> term. What do you want to say about that? Well, uh, it's a big term. So, so
1: many of our listeners might know that uh, Gnosticism is an ancient heresy, it goes back to the time of the early church. The Gnostics believed that the uh, spiritual realm was good, and the material realm was evil. So our souls are good and our bodies really, uh, the, the physical dimension of us is, is not good. Well, uh, I did not coin the term evangelical Gnosticism. My, my dear friend, Daryl Miller, uh, also an author, coined that term as far as I know. And, I, you know, Daryl Miller argues, and I think he's right, that most of us have embraced what we might call an evangelical Gnostic story. And, and this has deeply impacted me negatively, I think has deeply hurt uh, the church in America. And I think we've spread it around the world. And, and, and the basic story of evangelical Gnosticism is that the goal is to get the soul to heaven for all eternity, to float around on clouds and playing harps and wearing diapers. So that's the goal. The goal is to become a ghost. Mm. And we don't really have a story for the body. We don't really have a story for this life. And so we tend to do is revert to the only story we know for the body, the story of the American dream. So it's basically get your soul to heaven and live your best life now. I think it's destroying us. And I think
0: it's hurting the people we're trying to help. We're going to talk about that and so much more on the other side of this break. What a blessing it is to have Dr. Brian Fickert with us today. Uh, You can find out more about him, the Chalmers Center, and the book, Becoming Whole, as well as The Field Guide, If you go to our website, equipradio.org, ordering information is right there. And oh yeah, we want to hear your questions on social media as well. We'll be right back. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. One of the best things about this program are the people I get a chance to know along the way. And I want to say thank you to our partners who come alongside of us to not only pray and financially support us, but really uh, they become partners in getting the gospel out, the good news to people who are desperately in search of the love of Jesus in need of the grace and salvation that Christ alone provides. So thanks to Gene and Gurney, Thanks to Cheryl in Ohio. Thank you to Miriam in Florida, to Howard in Indiana, to Patrick in St. Petersburg, Florida. You guys are awesome, and I'm so grateful for you. Listen, um, I I can't think of a better way for us to partner together than uh, this monthly partnership or what we call our equippers. Um, That is a group of people that sets aside a certain amount in their budget every month to invest in the spreading of the gospel through this ministry. In exchange for that, there's so many wonderful things. Not only do we have our regular Zoom webinars where we get a chance to give you special content, our Quipper encouragement letters that go out to you that delves deep into a particular area of culture through the lens of the Christian worldview, but we also allow you to have a 50% discount on all published items, and more importantly, we're in relationship together to spread the good news of God's grace. So I'm going to ask you to consider becoming a monthly partner today. Maybe you can do that. Uh, maybe you can do that at $30 a month, a dollar a day. That's where most people start. Or maybe you can do it at more or less. Wherever you find yourself at today, I would love if this program has been a blessing to you for you to come alongside. The phone number is 888 888- 644 4144. Let's partner together to reach a new generation with the good news of God's grace. 888 644 4144. Can you call today? That's 888 644 4144. Brian Fickard, Dr. Brian Fickard is my guest today. He was co author of the book When Helping Hurts back in 2009. And now he has co authored a new book, Becoming Whole why the opposite of poverty is not the American dream or isn't the American dream. And I love to talk to those of you who are doing poverty alleviation work, those of you who are in churches, in poor communities, trying to help the poor, materially poor, I should say. I'd love to hear from you. What are your questions? What are your comments? Uh, Brian, we're gonna go to the phone lines. I don't wanna come back to the book, but let's listen and let's uh, see what Donald has to say who's in Alabama. Hey, Donald, thanks for giving us a call. What's your comment?
2: Well, first of all, thank you, and this is uh, really great. My daughter goes to the uh, University of uh, Alabama, and I happen to be here, and I I heard your radio show. And I just want you to know that I grew up uh, in poverty in Detroit, Michigan, And I was fortunate because I was a good athlete, so I ended up, you know, going to college and getting drafted into the NFL and played there. But since then, I've created uh, several companies. One is called Urban Community Development. Another one is called Urban Community Settlement Services. And it's minority-owned companies that partner with other people who want to invest in their community for development, and we share uh, profits with them. But I also have a a Zoom education program for financial literacy that's sponsored by such people like Wells Fargo, Chase, Bank of America, because they get CRA credits to support that and also work with churches. So uh, what you're talking about is really – an issue because the homeownership rate has gone down tremendously. Wealth has gone down tremendously since the last five to eight years. And and this type of message that you're putting out there is really good because education, well, the Bible says, my people perish because of the lack of knowledge. Mm. Well, the wealth is perishing because of lack of knowledge.
0: Well, first off, let me just say to you, Let me just say to you, Donald, that uh, we share a lot in common. Grew up in Detroit myself. My father taught at one of the historic high schools here in Detroit, Cass Tech High School, for 27 years. Uh, I've been on this journey of not only understanding this but helping others to live into that better story as well. So let me say thank you for your call, for your comment, more importantly for the work that you're doing as well. Brian, when you hear... Donald's statements, what comes to your mind?
1: Well, what comes to my mind is that his daughter ought to be at Covenant College instead of the University of Alabama. (laughs) uh,
0: (laughs) I thought you were going to say Roll Tide, but no, you said Covenant College. Come on over (laughs)
1: And I'm dying to know which NFL team you played. I mean, he played for. I'm a I mean, huge Green Bay Packer fan. I got my cheese head oh, sitting here right man. next to my computer.
0: Tough year. So, um, no, so pra-
1: praise Yeah, tough years, right? Praise God for, for, for what Donald is doing. It, it's spectacular. I'm so thankful for him and his work. I, I will say that, um, you know, he, uh, the things he's trying to do are outstanding. But we have to be a little bit careful because, you know, the agenda of the Wells Fargo people, the agenda of the American economic system, is material prosperity. And, and again, there's something good about material prosperity. Don't 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 misunderstand me. But the basic story of the American economy is a it's a self serving story. It's it's uh, go to school, work hard, get ahead, uh, make more money. But, but that's not the story of the Bible. The, the, the story of the Bible is to serve others. And so the trick is to help people to uh, advance economically, but but to do so in a way that they become people who want to use their, their prosperity, who want to use their vocations to serve others. That's the trick. Because yeah. we're living in an environment that's communicating a different story.
0: Yeah, so in many ways, it sounds like you're saying to Donald and to the rest of us, Keep doing what you're doing, but don't lose sight of Mark 8.36 because it's in Mark 8.36 where Jesus poses that very important question. For what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and forfeit his soul? That at the end of the day, having all the wealth of this world um, without having a relationship with God having a relationship through Christ uh, with his church, uh, experiencing his grace, goodness, and salvation, will still, at the end of the day, leave you bankrupt. And uh, and I would say uh, I, I sense in Donald's voice that he knows that, and so I'm grateful yep. for the work that he's doing and uh, just want to champion that. You know, I, I had to learn, too, that there was a difference, Brian, and uh, and I would say this to Donald as well, who highlights this so well. I love his story. But I had to learn that there was a difference between community service, community development, and community empowerment. And I think sometimes we're doing one and we think we're doing the other. Like community service is not bad, but it's really what I would call that, what you call that one-way charity where you're giving out things to the poor. And so many of us are doing that. But when I think about community development, I, I I think differently. I think about when we're actually developing systems and opportunities for relationship to really uh, make a difference. But that empowerment, it, community empowerment, is when we're actually letting the poor own uh, the solutions that actually transform and change their community. Um, I, I just really think that, we need to see the poor differently, not just as mouths that consume, but they actually have the ability to produce as well. Is that important for us, Brian? Oh, my word, yes.
1: You know, um, when, when that woman walks into your church asking for help with her electric bill, God has created her to be a certain thing. There, there's a thing that, that God has said, this is who you are. And in God's redeeming story, he wants to return all of us to that thing. Well, what is that thing? Well, what we're trying to explain in Becoming Whole is that theologians uh, have unpacked this idea that Adam and Eve were priest rulers, that they dwelt with God in the Garden of Eden— And the idea was that out of that deep community, that deep relationship, that deep security with God and with others, they were supposed to fulfill their callings. They were supposed to be priest rulers. They were supposed to extend the reign and worship of God from the garden to the whole earth. Well, that sounds like a long time ago, doesn't it? It sounds like it might be irrelevant, but in God's story, it's not. Because the whole story of Scripture is creation, fall, And then restoration. And and we're not going to float around in in, in the clouds. We're heading to a new heavens and a new earth, a new creation. What Revelation chapter 5 says is that in that new creation, we will be priest rulers, Revelation chapter 5. We're getting our jobs back. And 1 Peter 2 says that believers in Christ get their jobs back now. We're new creatures in Christ, and believers right now are the royal priesthood, the holy nation. So the whole flow of God's story is restoration of all things. And for human beings, it means restoration to royal priesthood. That's God's mission for the lady who's walking into our church Asking for help with her electric bill is to restore her to who she is as a priest ruler. That changes everything about what we do. It does. It changes everything about what the goals are for her. It changes everything about how we achieve those goals. It's a total game changer. And we don't even know the story. The story is restoration to priest rulerliness. And that's God's plan for you and me. And it's God's plan for the woman asking for help with her electric bill. That's different than simply economic empowerment it's, it's dignity, it's worth, yes. it's worship, it's service. It's a different story that it requires a different way of getting there than simply helping people have uh, economic empowerment. Because economic empowerment is giving us the stuff. It's also giving us a highly individualistic, highly self-centered culture that's falling apart. Our families are falling apart. Our communities are falling apart. Our political system is falling apart. Why? Because we're all serving ourselves. We've become highly individualistic. And it doesn't work.
0: So here's what Sorry, I like. I'm preaching. About, well, you, and I'm saying amen, because what I love about what you just said is that it applies to the individual, i.e. the lady who needs help with her electric bill. But it also applies to groups of people as well as we think of engaging, in particular international and global engagement. But I just want you to drive home just one more time before we hit our final break, and that is, how does our understanding of the creation story change the way we see that lady or that man who comes in asking for help?
1: Oh, my word. She's not just a worker bee. Uh, she's, she's not just somebody who can produce. She's made in the image of God almighty. She is hardwired to dwell in God's presence. Adam and Eve dwelt in the presence of God almighty in the garden. And the whole story of scripture, if you start to look for it, you'll see it everywhere. The whole story of scripture is how can we get back into the dwelling place of God? In the kingdom that's coming, Revelation chapter 21, if I say to to our listeners, you know, what's going to happen when Jesus comes again? We're going to hear stuff like no more sickness, no more death, no more poverty. That's all true. But it starts off with, and now the dwelling of God is with people. It starts (laughs) with God dwells with us. And we are created, hardwired to dwell in his presence. So how should we view that woman who's asking for help with her electric bill? Wow, she is special. She's hardwired, created to dwell in the presence of God and to be restored as a priest ruler who represents him throughout the created order.
0: Friends, this is why you need to get a copy of this book, because the world doesn't just need more economic development. We need gospel-centered, Christ-honoring, redemptive, Community and economic development. And that's what Becoming Whole spells out for us. How do we do this rightly? Spelled out in the book Becoming Whole. Find out more at equipradio.org you go to get information about how to think critically and live compassionately in your community. You know, for many, they turn to Equip for daily encouragement and biblical instruction. And when you become an Equipper, your gifts are empowering people across the country to grow spiritually and live out the gospel in a rapidly changing culture. Together, we're reaching more men and women than we could on our own. Become an Equipper today. Simply call 888-644-4144. Or if you prefer to automate your gift online, go to equippedradio.org welcome back to Equip with chris brooks man i can't believe how quickly time is flying by dr brian ficker was kind enough to share this hour with us to stop by i hope this conversation has been not only encouraging and edifying for you but i hope it also is helping you to maybe awaken to the call of God for your life, and uh, helping you to rethink how you view others as image bearers, as someone that Christ created to be in relationship with forever, and uh, and and having intrinsic and infinite value. Uh, I'm so grateful for Brian for the book "Becoming Whole." co-author with Kelly Capic, uh, and I just want to encourage you, pick up a copy, find out more at equipradio.org. All right, two quick questions, because time is short. First, how do we embody hope? Why is that so important, and how do we do it?
1: <clears throat> Our hope is in the resurrection. You know, um, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, and, and that solves our legal problem with a holy and righteous God. Praise God. Hallelujah. My sins are nailed to the cross. I bear them no more. Praise God. Hallelujah. But there's so much more. You know, uh, in, in Jesus' resurrection, he gets um, a glorified body. He is the start of the new creation. And those of us who are believers are united to Christ. We're new creations, too. And so we were one kind of thing, and now we're a new kind of a thing. And that's not just a legal thing. It's a human beingness thing. We are risen with Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 says the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in us. That's a lot of power. I'm a Presbyterian, but I could become a Pentecostal here. This is a lot of power, Chris. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in us. That's a lot. That's the Bible. So that's hope. Our hope is in the resurrection. Now, how do we embody that? It means that at a time when our culture is falling apart, when the family is falling apart, when our communities are falling apart, we've got to be people of joy, People who who say we've got we've got good news, yes. and, and, and so often we're we're divisive, we're pointing fingers, we're we're, we're choosing political sides. We're, that's not the gospel. The gospel is the good news. I don't know, Chris, if, if you've watched the Chosen at all that. that yes, that, that, yes. You, you know, and different people have different views about that. That's I don't want to get into that right now. But sure, there's a scene in there that is so incredible. Jesus is with with the the woman at the well. And the Samaritan woman, and she's, you know, she's less than human. She's a Samaritan. He's Jewish, and and she's lived a life of, uh, of licentiousness, and, 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 and she's looked down upon. And, and so she's coming out to the well uh, at, at noonday when it's hot because she doesn't want to be with uh, seen by anybody else. They want So here she is. She's the scum of the earth. And when she just slowly starts to discover who Jesus is, that he was the king who was to come, that he's the good news. She turns away from him and runs back to her village with her arms in the air flailing. I found the Messiah, he's here, I've got the good news, I wanna tell you about it. That should be our posture to the world. That's and that's so not good. what they're seeing from us right now.
0: Yeah, but we can change that, and we can change it one person at a time as we embody the hope of the resurrection. All right, final question with about a minute left. There's the book, but there's also the field guide. Explain what the field guide does.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. So, so becoming whole, uh, uh, it, it, we think it's a very practical book, but it's it's a little heady. It, it's got a lot of theology in it. It's a little abstract. We try to bring it down to 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 you know sure. uh, uh, low hanging fruit, but it's it's pretty abstract a little bit. And so we have also the field guide to becoming whole, which articulates 20 ministry design principles, 20 principles that we think are consistent with God's story of change, his goals, and how to achieve those goals. And these are these are 20 principles that we've used in the Chalmers Center's work. They're not a magic formula, it's not it's not a magic recipe, but 20 principles that we think are consistent with God's story, his redeeming story of change. And, and so we hope readers will will pick up the field guide and use that to uh, create new ministries or to improve existing ministries to be more reflective of who God is and what he's doing in the world.
0: Maybe you've read the book and you understand what it looks like when helping hurts. We want you to see what it looks like when helping helps. The book, Becoming Whole. And the uh, field guide, uh, a field guide for becoming whole principals for poverty alleviation ministry. Brian Ficker, you are the best. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for what you're doing. Thanks for the Chalmers Center. We'll continue to pray for you, your family, and your work. Thanks so much, Chris. It's a joy to be with you, and I appreciate the opportunity. Friends, I want to encourage you: get a copy of this uh, this book. Really, this two book set. Go to our website, equipradio.org, and wherever you go, take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. Shine bright the hope of eternity and the glorious promise of the resurrection. Until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Hey there, friends. Chris Brooks here. You know, everywhere we turn, there seems to be distractions fighting for our attention and lies that challenge God's word. That's why it's so important that we know what the Bible says. Trillia Newble would join me so that we can dig into scripture, cover to cover, to learn more about Jesus and how to love him and his word. Don't miss the next edition of Equip. Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon central on the Moody Radio app or equipradio.org.